you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Whatever we've accomplished in life is because of Him. God, you reign above everything in my life. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I sense the presence of the Lord in the house today. I want you to know that whatever you need from God, you can find here this morning. His presence and power is here today. God bless you. I'm going to turn to a familiar passage of Scripture. I have actually been reading and looking and drawing from this similar text this morning from Exodus the third chapter. I'm going to read four verses here and uh, I just feel that the Lord wants to speak to somebody today. I, I know I felt definite direction in the Holy Ghost and let's see what God has for us this morning. Exodus chapter 3 Verse number seven, and the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people. How many of you know that the Lord sees where you are? How about the rest of you? Do you know that God sees where you are? The Lord said, I've seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry. How many of you know the Lord hears you when you cry out to Him? Mm -hmm. By reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. Don't ever think that God doesn't know right where you are. I feel the help of the Holy Ghost this morning. And the Lord said, And I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians, their enemy, and to bring them up out of that land. When the Lord comes on the scene, He always comes on for the purpose of bringing you up out of whatever you're in, and into a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord's always going to be, bring blessing into your life. That's His plan. And unto the place of the Canaanites and the Heatites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the CLC Christianites. 
Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Lord, help us this morning to preach in the next few moments what you have laid on my heart. Let the inspiration of the Holy Ghost speak to hearts that are in this room today. God, for the things that I don't know, you already know. And the reason you inspire the word this morning is because you understand and you know the folks that are sitting in this room today that need a word of encouragement from your word. And you're sending it to them this morning. Now, Lord, allow it to be applied to every heart and every life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Find about four people around you, if you would, and just tell them with a big smile on your face and with confidence, God is always in control. Would you do that right now? Step across the aisle if you have to. Tell somebody God is always in control. Don't ever doubt it. God is always. I don't understand it, but God is always in control. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated today. God bless you so very much. I don't understand everything. People ask me sometimes, why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? And I've read the books and studied it and tried to figure it all out. And I still come up with the same thing. And it may be a revelation. And maybe I need to speak this to somebody. But are you ready? I don't know. I don't have all the answers. When we deal with situations that we can't understand sometimes, we question ourselves because we feel like that the burden is on us to understand what God understands. But some things only God really understands. It was never intended for you to understand. Because we have finite minds, meaning that we are limited in capacity. God is infinite in that He can see beyond where we are. We have, our worldview is on the plane of about 5'9 to 6 foot. Unless you're Kevin Spangler and then it's like 6'5. Our sister Paula and it's like, I don't know, 4'6". Our worldview is on the plane of earth. We see in the realm of human reasoning. We understand and comprehend in the realm of human reasoning. The, when, when we try to even sort scripture sometimes, we think in the realm of our human understanding. In other words, it's when, when we say God is in control, we compare that with when we are in control. In other words, my, my boys now, I hope they're around if an intruder comes in the house. They're bigger and badder than me so they can go fight off the intruders. But when they were younger, it was important that dad was there. And when they would become afraid, their mom would, would remind them, you don't have anything to be afraid of. Dad is here and he is a superhero. 
nobody, you know nobody, would mess with you with your dad here. And so we, we grow up in this realm of, I, I, tell, I tell my family, I'll, I'll never leave you. I, I pledge to my wife. I, I'm, I'm always here for you. Whatever you need, I'm always here for you. And I am to the best of my ability. Are you with me today? To the best of my ability, I am here. I'm not going to leave you. So therefore, when we read in Scripture, when, when the Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We put it in the realm of human reasoning. And so we think of it in the realm of me telling my wife, whatever you need, I am always here for you. Unless I'm not feeling good. Or unless the guys are out doing something together. Or there's work day at the campus. And so we have our reasons of why we may not always be there. But for the most part, the intent of my human words are understood when I say, I'm always here for you. Or we tell someone, anything you need, you let me know. I mean, anything you need. So when we think about scriptures like God saying, and I will supply all your need, we, we, we spin that immediately into the realm of human reasoning. And so we compare it with the fact that I got, I got a call yesterday and perhaps we should have said something earlier in service today. Sister Ray Harris's mother passed away yesterday morning and she contacted my wife and I and I reached out to her and of course as customary as it would be I would offer whatever we can do if there's anything at all that we can do to lighten your load make your time of grief uh, more more possible more bearable please let us know we think when we think about God saying I will supply all your need. We think in this realm, meaning within our human capability. I mean, I'll even buy a meal, but if you need rent paid, now we got to think about this for a little bit. Anybody with me today? I mean, I will do anything for any of you as much as I can. But we mean it. We mean well by the words that we speak that whatever you need, I, I'm, I'm here. But understand when God says, I will supply all, A-L-L, -L, all. There is a transition from our finite reasoning I can only be at one place at one time. I only have, I have, I'm limited by resources. I'm limited. God is unlimited. God is infinite. In other words, his supply will never run out. He can be helping a million other people on the other side of the planet and helping me at the same time. 
When he said, I will never leave you, I'm thinking, what happens when two people need me at the same time? That's no issue for God. And so therefore, when we say God is always in control, we think in realms of human thinking. Like I'm always in control. Or you're always in control. I mean, I know, I know, I, I see a lot of husbands and fathers here, and I know, I know you are the head of your house. I know you are in control of your house as long as she says you are. But understand that when God is in control, He doesn't need our help. When we say His ways are higher than ours, in reality we must totally comprehend the fact that we're thinking from about a six foot level, He has a true world view. Could I tell you this morning that God is always working everything for your good? The thing that the enemy would like to destroy you with, God can turn around and bless you with it. I shared a story the other day of uh, a friend of ours uh, from Indianapolis, a uh, friend of Brother Duggar's, worked with him for many years, told me one time he and Brother Duggar uh, both lost their jobs. This was many years ago, and they lost their jobs about the same time. And when they lost their jobs, uh, they, they was, it was tragedy for both of them. I mean, they were both ready to go get in a soup line. And, uh, of course, being gifted and talented, they found uh, other, other jobs really quickly. Later, my friend came to me and he said, the best thing that ever happened to me was the day I lost my job. Because he went from making about $125,000 a year to making well over six figures in just a real short period of time. He said it could have never happened, it would have never happened because I would have never had the confidence or the faith to have stepped out and done it on my own. Can I preach to somebody this morning? God is always in control. You ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning because He's in control of your situation. Your health situation, your family situation, your children's situation, your financial situation, your job situation. God is always in control. Now watch with me this morning in Exodus the third chapter. Our scripture text takes place um, in a place where Israel... Uh, in, at a time when Israel is going through great affliction. They were being afflicted by the enemies of God. They were, they were under great, great affliction. The, the, the Egyptians were pr putting great pressure on the people. Some believe perhaps uh, during this time period uh, was the time perhaps maybe even the pyramids of of Egypt were built under the, the backs of the slavery of God's people that were held by 
the Egyptians, whatever it may be. The Bible said they were under great affliction and it was caused by the taskmasters that were putting great pressure on the people to do more than they were humanly capable of doing. The people were under great distress. They were under great affliction. Do you ever reach a point in life when you feel like there is no human possibly able to do what is expected of me? Mm -hmm. I, I just got my mom's kicked in this morning. When you say, it's just no human way possible that I can do all of this. It feels like affliction sometimes. Maybe on your job when more is expected of you than what you can ever do. And it feels like the pressure is on you so, so heavy. The people of God were in great distress. The affliction of God's people was so great. I, I want to tell you that we live in a day when uh, if, if the, many of us perhaps have never truly known what real affliction is, but a few of us have and we get a taste of, of affliction once in a while. But I'm going to tell you that the people of God will be afflicted by the enemies of God. And be very, very careful sometimes when we think people are coming against us. I've had some folks come to me and tell me, you know, somebody at work is coming against me. Somebody, uh, you know, some family member's coming against me and it's out of their character. It's, this is not natural for them. And, and I remind them, be very careful because humans become a tool or a weapon of our adversary. The enemy will use people. Mm -hmm. He'll even use folks that live in your own house. He'll even use folks that sit down the pew or in front of you. He'll even use folks. That's right. That's why it's important that we stay prayed up. In tune with God. Because the enemy will use anybody who will lend themselves. Oh, you, want me, you want me to make it real clear to you? Anytime you hear gossip in the church, that's a tool, somebody being used as a tool of the enemy. When you hear negativity in the church, don't ever, don't ever get it wrong. Don't get angry at the person, get angry at the spirit. Because it's not the person, it's the spirit that is using that person. Because they're not walking where they need to be. They're not prayed up. They're not where they need to be walking with God the way they need to be. And when we get a little out of kelter, if we're not real, real careful, we will begin to step over the boundary and allow Satan to use us to afflict the people of God. And we, while wanting to be right with God, can very easily become an enemy of God. The enemy of God is the enemy of God's people. Your adversary is not your neighbor. Your adversary is not your spouse. If you're sitting next to him, tell him, you're not my adversary. You're not my enemy. One of the first things we... Don't get too carried away out there now. <laughs> the Bible tells us who our adversary is. Your adversary, the devil... Goeth, goeth about walking to and fro, seeking whom he 
may devour. Your adversary, the devil. He is your adversary. In the church, we will always have an adversary. To the people of God, you can be saved, sanctified, set free on your way to heaven and thinking that fixed all your problems in life. Uh Uh-uh. Because in this life, the scripture said, we will have troubles. Paul said, if my hope was only in this life, I'd be of all men most miserable. The issue with the people of God, the difference between the people of God and the rest of the world is that we have issues in this life, but we have a hope beyond. Their hope ends here. But our hope is beyond this veil of tears. Our hope is on the other side. Our hope is a day when there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more grief, no more weeping. But we have an adversary, and our adversary is the devil. Here's what the Lord said about the adversary of God's people. The Lord said in verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. I don't, have to, I don't have to break this down for you too much. I just want you to understand this morning, for those of you who have felt the pains of sorrow, grief, trial, disaster, trouble, pressure, and you've been faithful to God, and you've been serving God, and you've been walking with God and wondering, why me, God? Don't ever question why. Just understand that it may, there, may be a, there may be the trial of your faith involved in it, but be confident of this much. The Lord has always watched you during your affliction. Now watch, watch. You can't tell much about a man when he, on the days of great blessing. On the days of great blessing, everybody's happy. On the days of great blessing... Everybody's rejoicing. Everybody's friendly. Everybody's on fire. But let him walk through the day of valley, the day of grief, the day of sorrow, the day of stress. Now you start learning about the person. That's why so much was revealed about the character in the Bible of the man named Job. Not when he was walking with wealth, but when everything he had was gone. When his family was gone, when his finances were gone, when his health was gone, and when his wife suggests you ought to just curse God and die. Now you see the character of Job. When he says, though he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. I've watched some of you good people when you've walked through some of the toughest times of your life. We've been here and walked through them together. I've watched some of you walking through those dark days and you have remained faithful to God. 
Some of you are already out the other side of it. I, I'm not going to call people out this morning, but some of you, I've walked through some dark days with you when you thought the sun would never shine on the other side. Here you are sitting this morning, blessed of God, having more than you've ever had, in better shape than you've ever been in your life. And it, I want you to think back of the day when you went through grief and sorrow. You need to use that testimony for somebody else that's going through grief and sorrow and let them know I've been there. I've walked through it. I once was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The Lord knows where you are. The Lord knows what you're going through. He said, I've seen the affliction of my people and I have heard their cry. When somebody tells you, oh, just, you know, cheer up. Don't let this affect you in any way. You're going through sorrow, grief, trial, stress. Don't weep about it. Listen. Every tear that you shed, every time you cry out to the Lord, when you can't sleep in the wee hours of the morning and you begin to cry out to the Lord, He said, I heard their cry. I heard, I know it's the stress that's bringing it out of them. Somebody said, oh, well, so-and-so must really be going through it. I saw them down crying out to the Lord. You go ahead and make fun and make light of it. But while they're crying out in the middle of their stress, God's saying, I'm watching, I see, I hear, I know, I'm marking it down, I'm taking account. I want to pull a little something out of this last phrase. In verse 7 he says, for I know, everybody say no, for I know their sorrows. Now we read this through and here's what we think, I know, head knowledge, understanding, right? That's not what this text actually means, that's not the intention of this text. When he said I know their sorrow, we're thinking, oh he sees it, understands it, rationalizes it, he knows it. But here, what he is really saying, what the, the depth of the text is really saying when he said, I know, he means I have experienced it with them. In other words, you wonder, my God have mercy, has anybody ever been through what I have gone through? I don't have the time to read the entire text of Isaiah chapter 53 but I want you to mark that down this morning if you're going through anything and I want you to read it when you go home because I want you to I, when you read it I just want you to read it just saying God knows God knows God knows because here's what he said surely I have borne their grief that word born doesn't mean birth he when it says born he says surely I have I have taken upon myself. I have, I have made it mine. <laughs> Your grief? He said, I've made it mine. That was in the preparation of Calvary. That was in the preparation of the cross. The prophet Isaiah is writing about it. He, said, uh, he says, surely I have borne their grief. I have carried their sorrow. The chastisement 
of their peace, yours and mine, of our peace, the chastisement of our peace is upon him. In other words, all of the beating, the whipping, all the struggle, when you read through everything that Jesus Christ went through during the, the, the hours leading up to the cross, when he was spat upon and mocked and his beard plucked from his face and he was wounded and bruised, it was all for you and I. When people can't forgive themselves, just go and read. I was wounded for their transgressions because he knew that I was going to make mistakes and fail God and reach a point of not being worthy and wanting to tell somebody there's no way God could save me because I've done such horrible stuff. That's why he said, and I was bruised for their iniquities. The word iniquity means the most hideous sin that man could ever commit. Somebody ought to put a wow on that this morning. Uh-huh. Because when you think I'm too bad for God, I have done too much. He said, no, I want you to look at Calvary and I want you to understand I was wounded for their transgressions, bruised for their iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That means I can't find peace. I'm dealing with anguish and I'm struggling and I'm, I, I can't sleep at night because of all the thoughts going through my mind. He said, I took all that chastisement because I've already paid the price for that. You're not going through that alone. So in verse 7, when he said, I know their sorrow, you know what he's saying? You're never going to go through anything that I haven't already known it. I've already owned it. I've already paid for it. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I feel the Spirit of God wanting to minister to somebody this morning. God is saying to somebody, I've felt your pain. I've walked where you are. I've carried the burden. I've been under the load. I've been rejected. I've been despised. I've been, I've been cast down. I've been pushed out. I know there's so. Can I tell you this morning that God is always in control? It, is it possible for us to fully recognize that God really knows right where we are? Right where we are. See, we think it just happens to be. That we show up on a Sunday and God sends a specific word. Well, really what it was is the preacher was standing out in the parking lot and he was watching everybody come in and he was taking note and deciding what message he's going to preach today. Not true. <laughs> but God knew who was going to be here today. He knew what he was going to inspire with his preacher today. He knew exactly. He, he was whipping up the recipe. It's just like mama when she calls and says, what would you like for dinner? What would you like? God's saying, I know exactly what they're going to need today. And I'm going to put it together. And I'm going to feed them with manna from heaven. Because I know exactly what they need. I'm going to put a word in their spirit. Because somebody came in carrying a load. And God is saying, I want you to know. I'm going to lift up the load. Somebody came in feeling like I can't make it another day. And God's going to say, you can make it. And I'm going to send you a word that you can get up and keep making it. He has seen your affliction. He has heard your cries and he knows your sorrow 
don't let anything or anybody distract you from believing that God hears your prayer. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. All you've got to do is have the faith to know. I, I know it just feels like I'm speaking words, just speaking words. That's all I'm doing, just speaking words. That's exactly right. When I begin to pray, it is communication with heaven. But without faith, it just feels like words. It just feels like I'm just in here. I, I can come in here and nobody's at church. And I, I come and kneel and begin to pray. And every now and then, when my faith is weak and my faith is low, I'm like, why? Nobody's here. Nobody hears me. Nobody sees me. There is a reason why. Don't let anybody ever make you believe that God doesn't hear your prayer. Because when the rest of the earth is silent, your voice is still breaking through to heaven. Because he knows where you are. Verse 8, I've got to hurry. Verse 8 said, and I am come down to deliver them out. Of the hand of their enemy, the Egyptians. When the Lord is ready to bring you through the test, there's no test hard enough to keep you. When the Lord said, that's all the testing, I'm going to let them go through. You're coming out. That's all, I, that's as far as I'm going to let you go and I'm going to bring you up. He said, because I'm coming down to bring them out of the, the land, out of the situation, out of, he's, he's talking to the Egyptians and he's saying, I'm, uh, he's talking to Israel who was bound by the Egyptians. He's saying, I am come down. You know how he came down? He came down through a man by the name of Moses, but he also came down by plagues. I preached about those plagues the other day. He came down by, by the plagues. He came down. God showed himself and showed himself and showed himself until finally he said, I'm going to take the firstborn. Because the enemy is going to always give up because God is always in control. Trying to decide whether I even want to go there this morning. There's times in negotiation, particularly with the military, when of course the United States has firepower that perhaps supersedes the rest of the world or at least most of the world to the best of our understanding. And I hear people say, why don't we just go in and blow this one up and blow that one up because wisdom says we want to try with negotiation. And then we want, to, we want to try with sanctions. And we want to use the easiest and the least amount. We, want to, we, we don't want to just go in and if, if not, we, we can create all kind of chaos. What, are we scared? No. We're, we're using wisdom. Let me explain to you how God works. God could just come in and just blow the whole world up. And rescue you out. As a matter of fact, it was a man by the name of John. John, who is in prison and facing death, and he's at the end of his life. All the Lord had to do send an earthquake, 
send great lights, shake the jail cell, get him out. God could have done him. I mean, he had done it before. Instead, he sends a couple men down to him to testify of him and to tell them how that the blind see and the lame walk and the dead are being raised. Well, I'm in jail. I don't need, this must be much easier than blind eyes open and lame feet walking and dead being raised. All I need is just to get out of jail. They're going to kill me tomorrow. And the Lord said, and while you're there telling him about all the things that I've done and all the good things, just say this to him. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. John, if I choose to leave you there, will you serve me till the end? Because you know and I know that I could speak a word, but I have a purpose that is higher than the purpose of bringing you out. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. Here's a little word for you this morning. I understand that God could just right now at this very moment, whatever you're going through, he could turn it around. He could send a buyer for this building. He could send somebody in to write us a check and pay off the new building. He could deliver and set people free. There's people in this room this morning with addiction. He could break it right now. There's people in this building today. Jason sitting here needs a kidney transplant. He could give it to him right now. There's people going through struggle and issues. He could just fix it right now. Preachers preaching God is in control. He could do it right now. But he said to the disciples of John, you tell him, blessed is he who is not offended. Because the trial and the test is an easy place to get offended at God and feel like God doesn't know where we are. This message this morning is coming to tell somebody God is always in control. He knows right where you are. He knows right what you've been going through. And He's been watching. There is an answer. There is a resolve. Hey, Job, He's going to give it back to you ten times on the other end. Hey, listen to what you're going through. I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you, but I'll be with you always, even until the end. I'm going to always be there. You don't have anything to worry about. But don't get offended at God in the middle of your struggle in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your trial, because God is always in control. If you get this word this morning, you're going to walk out of here with faith and you're going to speak to your enemy. You're going to speak to your mountain and you're going to declare today, God's in control. I won't be in despair. I won't be disappointed. I won't be down and depressed. I'm going to walk out in faith this morning and know God's got this and on the other side of this, There will be a victory for me. When you can't get to where God is, He will get to where you are. I'm reminded of the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. The scripture said, He knelt down in the ground, He wrote in the ground. He came to where she was. He kneels down. He involves himself into her life. 
in your despair, in your trouble, the enemy would like for you to think that you're by yourself and you're going to always be where you are and you're going to always go through what you've gone through and this is... And God is far from you. Here he is up in heaven somewhere. And here you are down in earth somewhere. That's not the case at all. He's as close as a mention of his name. Let me close with a little story of a man, a man by the name of Peter. You know, you know the, the man. He's the loudmouth fisherman. Preached the first message on the day of Pentecost. He's the one that stood up and declared what they should do to be saved in Acts the second chapter this man Peter's on a boat and he's in the middle of a storm you know the storms like you go through when the storm clouds billow over and the rain is coming and the wind is blowing and you're wondering my God, am I going to even survive this? It's one thing to have to wait out a storm on good, solid terra firma, but to wait out a storm in the middle of the sea, mm, that's no place for me. Here Peter is. He sees what he thinks is perhaps the death angel. He thinks it's a ghost and he comes walking on the water to where he's at. People in the boat were afraid. Somebody said it may be Jesus. It looks like the Son of, the Son of God. And Peter yells out, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come to you. And the Lord said, it's I, be not afraid. Come on, Peter, step out of the boat. Peter, a man of great faith, steps out of the, of the boat and begins to walk on water. But he doesn't make it far because the Scripture said he saw the wind. Now, you know you don't actually see wind. You see the effects of wind. You see the waves and the storm and the rain. and You see your situation and it collapses your faith. And the one who had the faith to step out of the boat lost his faith because of his environment that he's in. I just spoke to somebody this morning. And in the middle of that environment, he loses faith and begins to sink. Now he's alone in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the storm. Surely it's the end of his life. The scripture said he cried out to Jesus. And when he cried out to Jesus, Jesus reached down and took him by the hand. Did you catch that? He didn't run to him. He didn't yell a word to him. He reached down, meaning that the whole time he sees the storm. He sees, he loses faith with Jesus standing arm's length away from him. In the middle of your dilemma, let me tell you how far Jesus is for it from you. He's as close as the mention of his name. He'll reach down and pick you up. He's heard your cry. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He wants to lift you up this morning. He's looking for you today. He's looking for you today. Why don't you stand with me around the room if you would. They're going to sing here. and I'm going to open these altars because I feel like there may be some today that 
that really need to pray. You, you know I've spoken to you, and this is more than just to encourage you, but you need to take a step of faith today. And your step of faith needs to be that you're, you're going to push beyond all of that comfortable environment that you're in, and you're going to step out and you're going to say, okay, I'm going to walk to the front of this room as an act of faith this morning, and I'm going to declare to the enemy, I may be going through it, but I'm not done yet. I may be under it, but I'm about to come up over it. I'm in it, but I'm about to be through it. Is that you this morning? Join these that are already responding today. Join these that are already responding today. Your miracle worker, waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Come on, there's room for more today. Come on, join us here. Join us here in the front of the room today. Make that bold step of faith. Declare today, miracle worker. I'm coming through. I'm gonna come out the other side. turn this whole building into a prayer room right now all the way back to the back here in the front let's just take a moment just connect with God come on just reach out to him in prayer right now in the pew in the aisles here in the front just reach to the Lord this morning he's close to you today he's close to you 